Hello, enjoying SBO Perspectives? Make sure to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now, on to this week's episode. Hey there, this is JR of SBO Perspectives. And so you're probably wondering, it's a little bit different than um, last week. So if you heard our last episode uh, with Tara, her voice wasn't quite, you know, um, back 100%. And so um, at the same time, I'm actually recording this out of the country. So I'm actually in Central America uh, this week and um, logistically, it didn't really make sense to put together a new episode uh, this week. However, we do have a great episode to present. Uh, one was recorded uh, about two months ago. Um, and so this really encapsulates the um, the whole negotiations uh, that occurred in Portland and how they got over the hump. A great episode uh, with Juno. Hope We hope you love it. Um, and get as justice as due because um, it was supposed to have been aired, um, but somehow it didn't get aired. And so now um, we're bringing it live for you. So we hope you enjoy it. If you have any feedback, feel free to you know reach us at um, sfieldperspectives.com and, or you can always email at info at sfieldperspectives.com. So um, again, we hope you enjoy it. Hope you're having a great, this is a short week here. Uh, but next week, we'll be back uh, with more in store for our listeners. So again, this is JR signing off. SEO Perspectives. See you next week. Today on the podcast, we have Juno Chang. Juno is the Senior Budget Manager at Portland Public Schools in Portland, Oregon. Juno, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Thank you for having hey, me. Hey, Juno. Hi. Wow. I got to tell you, Juno, this is great to have you on because... Um, we know Portland is a huge district, number one. And actually, John and I, we had the opportunity of last year of uh, going to Portland, right, uh, for the conference. It was a great experience. I uh, love the city. Um, but knowing that you're such, um, you know, an integral part of a very large school district across uh, the country, it's great to have you on. Because as you may have seen as a fellow ASMA National member earlier this week, uh, there was an announcement that it was a big settlement reach. Uh, so we're really glad about uh, that. And we're going to get into that, uh, obviously, in the podcast. But with anybody who comes on here, um, we always want to start off with, for our listeners, um, an opportunity for you to just, you know, tell us a little about yourself, your background, your experience. So if you don't mind, take a few moments uh, in doing so. Yeah, thank you. Um, I got my undergrad at Oregon State University in Spanish. And so when I came out of college, I got hired on by Reynolds School District uh, as a translator interpreter. Um, and it was just a three-month thing uh, covering for somebody who was on uh, parental leave. And um, after that three months, I just kind of sent out an email to all the people I was helping. And the business director kind of snatched me up. And I've been doing budget ever since. Um, Reynolds School District is a smaller school district, still though still um, uh, kind of like medium large in Oregon. 
And so that's kind of where I started. Uh, I did other jobs there too. I was an educational assistant at the Newcomer Center. I did random jobs uh, after hours, working in the warehouse, installing computers at schools and so on, helping HR, payroll, uh, communications, SPED and title. So I kind of wore a lot of hats there. And then coming to a large district uh, like Portland, uh, you know, I had I, I was able to just focus on budget, so that was kind of a nice transition. Although I do sometimes miss um, all the other little things that you can get into uh, at smaller districts. Um, but yeah, I've been doing uh, budget for about thirteen years. I was about wow. I was at Reynolds for about five, a little over five years, and then okay. it'll be eight years with Portland Public tomorrow. Uh, December first. Oh, eight years tomorrow. Oh, yeah. congrats! Happy anniversary. Yeah. Eight years is, is strong. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? Is it, is it pretty safe to say you never thought you'd be doing school finance? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Uh, I didn't think I'd be <laughs> yeah, in tell. finance, let alone <laughs> school finance and budgeting and so on. Um, cool. Yeah. 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 That seems to be the common thread with a lot of the people we speak to on this podcast. It's no one grew up thinking they'd be a school business official or working in some kind of school finance capacity, but uh, sounds like you're doing really well uh, 13 years later. So that that's great. <laughs> Thanks. But uh, so we wanted to bring you on because as Jack said, you know, there's been some monumental news uh, that we caught wind of in, in Portland that uh, there was a, there was a strike going on uh, as part of negotiations with your teachers. It seemed to us that it was around class sizes, teacher supports, planning time, uh, salaries, uh, a lot of the things we hear about as school business officials across the country. Um, in your estimation, I mean, are the headlines true? I mean, is that really kind of the impetus of this strike or what do you think really prompted this strike in its entirety? Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, things like uh, class sizes and uh, planning time and salaries for sure are, they've always been key points of contention. So, um, and, and, you know, those concerns are valid. Um, I definitely do also acknowledge that there has been an uptick of strike activity kind of across the nation. So yeah. uh, not just in educator and true. Uh, and teacher unions, but like the auto you know, workers various, recently too. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The auto workers, you know, uh, the writers guild, you know, um, being yeah, more public ones. Yeah. And so all kinds of occupations and industries were seeing a giant uptick in strike activity. So, uh, and, and I think that that's been gaining momentum, especially since like, you know, post pandemic era. And, and so that momentum, you know, it's becoming more contagious for sure. Is this your first experience with a teacher strike before or is this something you've witnessed prior? <clears throat> Um, I've been in another one before. Um, This is the first one in PPS's history. uh, But back when I was in Reynolds, uh, we had a strike there too back in 2012. And uh, they were, I think they struck for a week. uh, But we had to go through that there as well. Um, And so um, I heard that Oregon in the last 20 years has only had uh, gone through six teacher strikes prior to PPS's strike. And how long was PPS's strike? Yeah, yeah. So this is the seventh one in the last 20 years, which is... Is this the longest? This is about a few weeks, right? Yeah, it was uh, uh, three weeks. Wow. Yeah, it was most of November. So my question now then, you know, is 
I, I know you may not have been directly involved, right, um, per se, but, you know, you have um, some ties indirectly. But what was it like overall um, during the strike? And I want to say your perspective, right, because you're in a business office, you have other employees you deal with. Um, just not even I want to say morale because you aren't the teachers, but just um, – if there was anything different that you noticed about the strike and how it may have impacted the operations, if anything? Yeah, um, it did uh, change some things um, for our team. There were some kind of uh, caution about like security and so on. Uh, so there were things um, that that us as managers at our level were able to implement for our teams uh, to kind of keep the um, keep the machine going, you know, behind the scenes. And so uh, we were, yeah, um, you know, I, I let my team know that if they felt uncomfortable coming to the district office to allow them to work remotely oh, and great. so on. So were teachers so, actively picketing outside your, your buildings? Yeah. Oh, so that's why you beat the security. I got it. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, and they weren't always outside the district office, although that was one of the main places. They were spread out throughout the schools and they would kind of rotate because we have, you know, almost uh, over 80 schools. Wow. And so they would kind of rotate locations. Were there any occurrences that negatively impacted, I guess, the outlook or the view from this standpoint? Was it, or in other words, to say, was it peaceful protesting? Um, I think for the most part it was. Um, There were a couple of instances where, um, you know, there was some vandalism that occurred. There was some harassment that occurred uh, outside one of our district leaders' houses um, or at the convention center where where one of our board members was having a meeting. Um, Wow. And so, um, yeah. And so I think there were a few occurrences that were pretty uh, looked upon negatively for sure. And it just operationally, you had mentioned an increased security presence. I mean, teachers are on strike. They're not acting in their educator capacity necessarily. Are they allowed in the building still or were they not permitted until the strike was resolved? What does that look like? Yeah, they weren't permitted uh, in the buildings and the, the actual school buildings were closed down. The only people that could go in there were uh, operational people and the principals and so on. Oh, so um, no one crossed lines. It was, it was unilateral. Correct. We had some places that were offsite that were uh, we were able to um, continue supporting certain groups of students who needed uh, additional supports during that That's time. That's good. Yeah. And okay. a, another follow up to that. I, I don't mean to go down too many rabbit holes, but so for instance, for Jack and I being located in New York, our state aid is contingent upon instructional days. Uh, we need at least 180 instructional days and in so many hours. Is there any kind of negative impact from a state aid standpoint or other revenue stream standpoint, be seeing that education was halted for, for three weeks? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, we have a reentry agreement as part of the contract that um, kind of plans out uh, how to address that fact. And so we are looking to add something like 11 instructional days to our school yeah, calendar. Yeah, we'll see add it on, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, a lot of that is creeping into kind of the winter break for our students. Um, um, things like President's Day, uh, any kind of um, uh, a few of the teacher prep days are becoming instructional days, and I think we're adding okay. 
uh, we're utilizing our inclement weather closure days as well. Okay. And what about summer? Will it spill into the summer? It, it might extend the school year a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be too Much bad. Um, we wanted to focus on uh, the earlier semesters throughout the year uh, because um, we wanted to take into consideration, you know, the seniors who are graduating this year. We Correct. Need and travel sure. plans, et cetera. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned as part of the deal, there is a reentry agreement, which is which is great. Uh, but, you know, we read that the, the deal was really settled in areas such as classroom size, salaries, health and safety, mental health supports for students. You know, that again, that's what the headlines say. Um, can you speak to, um, in your estimation, like what provisions really kind of got the deal done? Were there anything in any particular items that stood out that really kind of had the two parties come together and reach a deal? Like what, in your vantage point, like what really made this happen? I think that um, most of the items were settled um, probably within the last week of mediation. Um, but there were a couple of items, primarily the uh, maximum class caps uh, that was... Um, uh, kind of a non-starter point that kept um, that the teachers union kept pursuing. Um, it would have been it would have created all kinds of equity issues for students, and oh, certainly. And so yeah. it was it was something that was um, unethical that we just wouldn't be able to promote. So mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think once that idea kind of was accepted, um, we started to um, think of other ways that we can assist with that. And so um, there were several provisions that uh, would help class caps and still involve uh, feedback and collaboration with teachers and parents and so on. And I know you can't please everyone all the time, but... Just in an anecdotal sense, do you feel that teachers are happy to get back into the classrooms? Are they happy that the the deal is done? And is the same true for district administrators? Yes, I think everybody is happy that everybody is back in classes, teachers and students and district staff for sure. And parents, I'm sure. (laughs) And parents, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, Juno, the deal also... um, Red provides a cost of living increase, right, uh, for educators over the next three years, um, alongside, I guess, additional uh, classroom planning time. From a business perspective now, right, what impact um, is this projected to bring about the district and, you know, whether it be short term or long term? And I guess also, um, what do you think this will mean for possible future negotiations, right? Because um, this contract obviously is going to expire at some point in time. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Our initial estimates state that we're probably looking at a gap of about $175 million over the next three years. And how big is your operating budget? uh, Our general fund budget is about uh, $850 million-ish. Overall budget is about $2 billion. Uh, That includes capital projects and stuff like that. Um, so uh, 
Yeah, it, that out of that 175 million, I think it's something like 10 million in the first year. So this year we have to find um, 10 million dollars to fill that gap. It's going to be 41 million dollars next year for fiscal year 25, and then 79 million in fiscal year 26. So fiscal year 26 will be the start of the new biennium. So hopefully this will kind of push the legislature to increase the state school fund budget. Um, and so that's they what have no choice. Yeah, <laughs> <They> have <to. laughs> I mean, we're the first of you know uh, a lot of school districts going through uh, teacher union negotiations yeah. this year. Yeah. There are a few that have already been settled, but everybody has been looking toward PPS to see what will happen. So teachers are the main focus most of the time when it comes to negotiations. But uh, you know, when we were talking offline, you were stating that there's three other bargaining units that you need to negotiate with. Are you optimistic about those three? I mean, have you, is there any, are there any precedents in your mind that have been set with the teachers' negotiations that may impede progress with these other three units, or what is your outlook kind of moving forward? Um, personally, I'm hopeful that we'll come to a, a quicker resolution with the other unions. Um, I know that it is <clears throat> district leadership's priority and the board's priority to get the minimum to $20 for all employees at PPS. So um, hopefully we can get there um, and then um, hopefully we can settle those pretty quickly. And then we have a third union uh, starting negotiations soon. So we have three more unions in total going through negotiations. Right. right. Great. Well, best of luck with that. Um, Hopefully it goes (laughs) a little smoother, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Juno, with anyone that we have on this podcast, uh, we always like to give them the last word and impart any kind of piece of advice you think would be beneficial to a seasoned business official that's been in their seat their entire career or someone who's just starting out. Uh, So that being said, what can you impart on our listeners today? Yeah. um, So uh, coming to my current position as uh, the senior budget manager, We don't have currently a budget director or a CFO, and we currently have an interim deputy superintendent. So So if you're interested uh, in the job. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So my counterpart on the grant accounting team, our teams, we kind of lead together. And uh, we kind of decided to establish a theme this year uh, to approach everything with um, empathy first. Uh, that's great. Because that's great. there's been a lack of empathy in in a lot of the understanding between negotiations, but also just in general with some of our previous leaders. Okay. Um, and so we wanted to establish empathy first um, uh, to build a positive work culture because we've had a lot of turnover. It's a high-stress job, as you can imagine. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. And so b- build a positive work culture and environment. And we also wanted to build rapport and trust with the the budget holders and other stakeholders. So, um, yeah. yeah. And part of that is understanding the perspective of others and changing our own perspective to, you know, find out how we can better uh, serve them. So Certainly. our kind of theme this year has been empathy and perspective. I really like, like that. that. And I mean, we're, we're a people business, so empathy is uh, is super important. And Jack, we 100%. may have just found our episode title too with empathy first, right? So yeah. it, it works both <laughs> That's ways. That's title. You got it. Right. You know, <laughs> we, we find them. It's organic. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, so glad to hear that everything has kind of turned the corner over there in, 
in um, PPS and that you you guys are gearing up for negotiations. The so best of luck with that with the other three bargaining units. I'm sure it'll go splendidly. But uh, with yeah. all of that, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure. Yeah, we know. You. Your time is precious, man. Because when you said there's two people not in, the, in high roles, CFO, you know, I mean... For you to even take 15 minutes with us, you know, I mean, you probably just getting a coffee real quick, you know. Right. <laughs> we appreciate that because uh, you're probably wearing like three, four hats right now. But thank you, Jim. You've been great. Yeah, thank yeah, you thanks, all. Gina. Appreciate it.